Hello and welcome to episode 202 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the magnificent League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How are you going there, mate? I'm going very well, Andrew Ferguson. How are you? Um, can I just can I just say mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about Ryan Madison. I wasn't thinking about him either. I, I don't even think about him every day. I, I don't want people to think that I'm thinking about Ryan Madison. You know when um, I particularly don't... Like, I don't think about him ever, right? But I particularly don't think about him in the week leading up to a game between the Eels and the, the Tigers because I don't think about him. No, neither do I. Um, of all the times that I haven't thought about Ryan Madison, mm-hmm. I do definitely don't think about Ryan Madison prior to when the West Tigers play against Ryan Madison. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not thinking about him. You don't even bring him up, ever. No, I've never mentioned Ryan Madison's name. Never. Never once. I, and, I think it's good that we clear that up, hey? Yeah. Um, I know no one asked, mm. but I just I just wanted to make it clear. Sometimes you've got to you've got to let people know what you're not thinking about. Not that you were thinking about it, but just it, it just randomly happens. That's right. That's right. So I needed to, um, I, I just wanted to clear the air, even though the air was clear. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to make it a bit clearer. Yeah, I, look, I don't think there's there's any scope for anybody to think otherwise, you know. So I, I'm glad you did that. And, uh, yeah, we can move on now. It's good. We can. Thanks, Justin Potato, you fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> so we had a bit of news today, which you which you broke in an earlier episode. Mm. Uh, Paul Green and the Cowboys are no longer together. Yeah, it's weird because I, and I've been thinking about this since it happened. I think with the craziness we've seen with coaches that are really bad who were either have either been sacked too late or are still ruining the teams that they're at and don't look like being sacked anytime soon. I weirdly think the Cowboys and Paul Green, the decision to part ways was timed actually really well. I think that, um, you know, he's had a couple of down years at the Cowboys, coaching the Cowboys. Um, He probably blooded youngsters a little bit too late, but there are some good young players that are there that we saw on the weekend against the Panthers. I think they played pretty well against the Panthers, but um, yeah, it it just seems like it might have been the right time for the change to happen. And I think the problem for the Cowboys and Paul Green is that it's kind of happening in the middle of absolute madness with some other clubs and coaches. Yeah, it's... I actually think it was probably um, it's probably a year overdue. You reckon? I think they probably should have done it last year. See, I think considering he's the pre- their first premiership winner coach, I'm willing to give him more leeway. But I do. I think he he probably persisted with some older players for a little bit too long, and there are a couple of players that I think he put faith in, and I think of someone like Cohen Hess, who. You know, you can see why he wanted him to get back to his top form, but I think holding on to some players like that. And, you know, the other big mistake that I think that they've made at the Cowboys, and it's hindsight, but I think that when you pay a million bucks for a winger who's playing in the NFL 
to come back and play fullback. And he plays all right, but then he starts get in, getting injured. You know, people start saying, well, maybe this wasn't the right decision, you know. And it's, it's well, never the CEO that, it, that cops it. It's always the coach. That's true. I think for me, though, the signings that were worse were signing Eason Masters and signing um, Tom Opechik. Well, they you just, know, they, they, bought, they bought them at decent money. Yeah. And they haven't delivered anything on any of that. Yeah, they were kind. They, they would have been good players if the Cowboys were a pretty good team and they just had a hole to fix here and there. Um, they needed to aim a little bit higher, I think. And um, we're kind of seeing that now that they're having to look elsewhere for the spark that they needed. Um, you know, and it's sad to see their first premiership winning coach leave, but he'll be fine. And it'll be interesting to see who the Cowboys get in there. There's, they've looked at the journalist linked every single coach that's ever existed <laughs> to the fucking job. And like straight away, I mean, Paul Green was still standing in front of the, you know, the press conference up there in North Queensland. And they're like, is he going to be the Broncos coach soon? And so it was just madness. But, um, you know, I think the Cowboys will actually make a good decision with their coach. I've got a feeling that they will. With any luck. Now, yeah. something interesting yeah, is that all of the bottom 10 teams on the ladder at the moment mm-hmm. have changed their coach in the last um, two years, bar one, and that's the Dragons. So yeah. the, West, the West Tigers, they're seventh. Mm-hmm. They brought in Michael Maguire. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> South obviously had the switch with Seabold and Bennett. Mm-hmm. Sharks, they've got John Morris in there after um, Plano got the ass. Yep. Manly brought in Hasler from after replacing Barrett. Mm-hmm. Cowboys have just got rid of Green. Warriors have just got rid of um, Kearney. Mm-hmm. Broncos have got Seabold. Um, Titans have brought in Holbrook. And the Bulldogs have just got rid of Dean Pay. Yeah, it's interesting. I. I think that uh, I think the difference between say the top, and I'm just picking out a number here. I think the top say six coaches in the game, and the rest is is a decent margin. And I think that the the difference is probably just stability that they bring to a club. Um, outside of someone like a a Craig Bellamy, who I, I consider Craig Bellamy to be the best coach of all time. Um, Hard to argue with now. Yeah. Yeah, I like, especially when you look at Wayne Bennett's record over the last number of years where he, I mean, he makes the team good, but Bellamy takes, I think if you put, say, uh, I don't know, let's just pick a random coach. So, okay, and I was going to say Seabold, not Seabold. But say you, say you put in Michael Maguire in that Melbourne team, I think they'd be a solid team, but I think they'd be probably seventh or sixth or something like that. Whereas under Bellamy, the team that they've got there, I, I I feel as though they're working their way back into grand final calculations. See, I'd probably say Maguire would be a little bit better because he's currently got the West Tigers at seventh. And I wouldn't say they've got a similar roster to Melbourne. That's a good point. Um, I think Maguire is, is one of the better coaches. The, what he's achieving with the West Tigers at the moment is absurd. 
It, it really is. Yeah, the, I the tell you that. fan in me is not convinced that it's going to last, but you know, I'll enjoy it while it does. <laughs> I tell you, the dude that needs a lot of accolades and is probably my coach of the year at the moment is uh, Adam O'Brien up yeah. there at Newcastle. Because, like, you look at the lineup he's got this year, and you line it up against what Nathan Brown had last year. And you don't really you don't look at it and say, well, he brought in this player and this player. He's just getting more out of pretty much the exact, like almost the exact same squad. And I, I keep waiting for that bubble to burst. And some of the, but the things that he's brought to them, he like their forward pack is playing a lot better now. Um, I think Pierce is playing the same, but I think Ponger is playing a little bit better this year. And just a, a few other players have stepped up. They're outside backs in particular. And, man, you've got to give him credit because when you see, like, I just can't, I can't think of a single addition they've got. Can you think of another addition they got in the off-season where you're like, wow, that was amazing? No, nah, they've they've not changed too much in the squad. And to be honest, that's something that needed to happen because they had so much shopping and change going on in Nathan Brown, which to a large degree, was necessary. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's got them to where they are now. Yeah. But at some point, you've got to stop doing that, and you've got to settle down what you've got and try and get stability and build something from there. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, which is going to sound a bit left-wing, is Justin Holbrook. And I bring him up because even though the Titans are sitting second last and they've had three wins from 10 games, last year they won four games from 24. Yeah. And you've got to look at the small steps. He's, he's changing a few things. He's trying a few plays in different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, the defense is still garbage. The attack is still pretty weak. But he's at least trying new things and trying to find out who to keep, what positions they need to be in, that sort of thing. Um, whereas Garth Brennan was... Was there much difference between Garth Brennan and Anthony Seabold, if we're honest? Both come across very clueless. Very lost. Yeah. And, and making personnel decisions that you sort of shake your head at. Um, well, they're feeble, I mean, feeble decisions. They're like they've got no balls when it comes to making the hard decisions, and they just pull out yeah. excuses after excuses. And big raps, too, based on not much. Like, the thing about Garth Brennan, like people saying, oh, he's amazing as a, a lower-grade coach at the Panthers – anyone could coach at the lower grade at the Panthers. You look at the, the players that they just bring in. Someone gets injured and they bring in Burton and things like that. Like, they've got so much depth there in talent. Um, you know, you never... Here's a, here's a tip. Never, ever get a lower grade or an assistant coach from the Penrith Panthers. Never, ever. Yes, Bulldogs. <laughs> Heed that advice. Um so, yeah, it, it's interesting there's been that much chopping and changing in that um, despite all of that, the Dragons have sat there and watched all those teams around them that are struggling for as long as they have, and they've gone, no, nah, we're different. We're special. We don't need to get rid of our coach. He's fine. It's weird. And it, like I've said, when, as soon as a club says they're special, they're different, we do it our way. We don't do what other clubs do. We do it our way. We promote our guys. It's like, you fucking idiots. What are you <laughs> doing? Like, even the Broncos at the moment, they're a little bit on that track of like, well, we're the Broncos. We shouldn't be doing this. So we're, we're the Broncos. We're different. It's like, no, no, you're not. Newcastle did that for a long, long, long time. Um, and it ended up with the club being an absolute 
disaster for a long time because of it. None of these clubs are special. They're all just footy teams trying to win footy games. And this stuff about culture and their guys and all this, it's a load of garbage. You need the right people in the job, no matter where they come from, no matter what their background. And uh, then you've got to have the talent. And without those two things, you're nowhere. Because being special and being promoting from within and all that crap, it doesn't add one single win. Exactly right. So, um, was there anything else you wanted to get into? What else, what other news was there? Um, there was a play it. signing, wasn't there? Oh, David Fafida signed a one-year contract extension with the Brisbane Broncos through to the end of the 2021 season, which, as I said, when I told you about it, and you nailed it, he's gone after that. He is gone. And I don't know where it's going to be, but um, you don't sign a one-year contract extension if you're his age and getting offered the money he was. I I reckon the Titans have said, why don't you take one more year at the Broncos while we free up a bit more cap space for you mm. and we'll give you an even bigger offer than what we had before. I'm trying to think of where he would, like obviously the Titans will have heaps of money to spend. But you, I'm thinking of the other teams out there that might have some money to spend. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Can you imagine if you went to the to the Melbourne Storm? Oh, tell you what, if, if Cameron Smith retired at the end of the year, yeah, they'd go pretty close to having the money available. Yeah. Could you imagine that in there? Uh, it would be... Especially knowing that Cameron Smith retires... Melbourne Storm get Harry Grant as well. Yeah. How crazy would it be? It's just wrong, mate. It should be illegal. <laughs> it should. Probably is. But um, <laughs> it's weird, though, because say he's been offered 1.2 to go to the Titans, or the Storm come to him and say, we can give you 900000 Wouldn't you say to David Fafita, look, you're going to go there and become a legend. You're going to go there and win premierships. And it 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 might be worth that money that you lose at the end to be able to do that. And I think if you sat him down with Cameron Smith and t- he talked to Cameron Smith and Cam- look, Cameron Smith over the course of his career must have left more than a million bucks on the table to stay at the Storm. Like he he could have been the highest paid player in the game for many many years, and I don't think he's ever been the highest paid player in the game. Um. You know, a move like that, and I've said for about about a bunch of players, move to the Storm, even if it was for one year. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, okay? The the Titans have got quite a few players coming off contract at the end of this year. Yeah. And next year. Yeah. And some of them are pretty decent names. So, the end of this year, they've got Jai Arrow, Dale Copley, Anthony Don, Keegan Hipgrave, Ryan James, Nathan Peets, Kevin Proctor, Tyron Roberts. None of those would be cheap at the Titans. No. They're all off contract. And at the end of next year, they've got um, Bryce Cartwright, who I dare say they probably signed for a fair bit of money. Um, Brian Kelly, Tyrone Peachy, Mitch Rain, um, Ash Taylor are all off contract at the end of next year. Think of how much money they're going to have in the cap to throw around yeah, over the millions, next two years. Millions, yeah. And... It's not like they need to hang on to any of those players. They they need a clean out. 
Yeah, it's weird how there's a couple of teams at the moment who you could you can say it, nobody is untouchable. Like I would say at the Titans, there there really is nobody there that they have to hold on to. I think at the Warriors, it's really only Roger Tuivasa Shek. Um, I think at some point, even with a team like say the the Dragons, you know, nobody should be off the table. If somebody comes to them and says, "I want to leave." Show them the door. Doesn't matter who it is, because at some point you just got to start all over again. Um, and there's, it's weird how many teams there are like that. The Bulldogs are another one like that. Exactly. So it's um, yeah, I I reckon he'll he would definitely go to the Titans, and it will be for big money, massive, massive money. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised either if they said to him, you know, after your second year here, we'll make you captain. They'll do something like that. They'll be throwing everything at him to get him over there. Yeah, I. you know what? If I was him, I mean, that's, look, he might be like, give me the most, I want to be the highest paid player in the game, and if you can do that in 2022 onwards, I'm there. Doesn't matter yeah. who's there, right? But I think a smart player would say, what's your plan? And who are you looking at getting? Because they, as you say, they've got so much money to spend and they could piss it away. But if they can use it wisely, I mean, they, they'd be able to restock an entire club. But it'd be really interesting. Certainly would be. Now, there's been a few other player signings going on. Mm-hmm. We'll just go through a quick quick few here. Uh, Tim Laffey will be returning to the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, that's. I don't know what that's about, to be honest. Uh, they need another run-of-the-mill center. I don't know. Yeah, it's like maybe they should put a call into the Tigers and bring them by back. That'd be a great idea. <laughs> I need <laughs> like that one. <laughs> Splendid idea. Um, Reed Mahoney is has re-signed with the Eels. That's a really good signing. That mm. was really smart to lock him up. Absolutely. Uh, South have signed Jed Cartwright. Hmm. Do you know about that one? No. No. Um, the Titans have signed Herman SASA on a two-year deal starting next year as well. Okay. That's that's a decent um, forward, you know, forward rotation sort of player right there. Yeah. If they've got a good a good front row anyway. So there's a few there. Um, and the Dragons signed uh, Ellis from the Panthers. That was last oh. week. I tell you who uh, there was a rumor too that um, Burton from the Panthers was being looked at for the uh, Bulldogs. Um, he was always going to end up leaving the club at some point because obviously, like Lawai is playing so well for the Panthers right now, and it looks like the, uh, Ivan Cleary likes him alongside my boy. So um, yeah, and Burton's Cleary, a also looks like he's he's gone all in with Tyrone May in there as well ahead of Burton. So. Because he's been playing May on the bench a fair bit. Yeah, which is kind of weird. Uh, like, mm. I wish May wasn't in the club anymore. Um, I don't think he even adds much to the team, to be honest with you. No, I would, I'd have been cutting him pretty quickly. Burton, I think, showed a lot more promise in just a few games too. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches a little bit for the Panthers that they can bring him in if they need to. Um, but, you know, you can't keep them all. Can't keep them all, unfortunately. That's true. Now, last week, this kind of went without much notice on the uh, 
you know, among the, the fans, but the NRL players poll was released. Yeah, it like it really was the most under the radar players poll that I can remember. Um, so we're going to go through it today and we haven't looked through it yet. So we're going to be surprised by the entire thing. So we'll see how we go. Eh? Exactly. Um, so there's two parts that have been done so far. It was from, it was a joint poll done by NRL and the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. So I mean, the, the game itself and the absolute trash at channel nine. Yeah. And they polled 150 players from all 16 clubs to get their responses about a range of topics. Mm-hmm. Um, looks like the first one's going to be sort of position-based. So who do the players think is the best fullback in the NRL? And they've said James Tedesco. Okay, let me get, let me, let me find this. Okay, if you're so, starting a new team. Oh, I, hang on, I might be looking at number two. Yes, I'm looking at number two, sorry. Yes, you're right. right. <laughs> I'm with you now. I know I'm right. <laughs> I'm staring this shit. But but are you though? Are you? Uh yeah, James Desco, that seems pretty straightforward, eh? The thing that got me, I guess, is um Dylan Edwards is ranked five. Wow. I, I don't think he's a bad player, but I don't rate him as the fifth best fullback in the game. No. I would have had all. I would have had Pappenhausen ahead of him, for example. Yeah. So they so yeah, that's that's kind of a crazy one, hey. Yeah. Um Tom Trebovich was second at twenty one percent, RTS at ten percent, and Kalen Pong at six percent, with Dylan Edwards on three percent. Um who is the best winger in the NRL? Daniel Tupo, twenty two percent, and Brett Morris at seventeen percent. And then David Nofaluma at eleven percent, which I think is a bit high. <laughs> um <laughs> Blake Ferguson, 10%, and Sevo and Felt were both at 7%. Right. I think that Sevo and Felt, actually, after what Sevo did the other week to Felt, Felt is part of Sevo still, <laughs> and Sevo is part of Felt, so that's why they're like that. Um, would you have said Daniel Tupo is the best winger in the game? Um, like, he's good, but would you say the best winger in the game? I'd have him in the top five but I don't think he's the best. Where's Josh Addo Carr? That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, what the fuck? Um, even Vunavalu, I'm surprised, is not in the list there. Yeah. I mean, Anofaluma has been playing out of his skin this year. I don't yeah. think that makes him a top five winger. No, he's handy. He's bloody handy, and he stands out in that West Tigers team. But I, I don't know. And, and like, for Sevo to be that far down the list when he's absolutely annihilating lives out there. Um, I don't know. That was a weird one. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, center. Uh, Joseph Manu, 44%. Josh Morris, 13%. Michael Jennings, 9%. Bradman Best, 5 And then Katoni Staggs, Wanga Blake, and Stephen Crichton at 4%. I, I'm starting to not like this really quickly, hey? I'm I'm okay with Manu having the the yeah. top spot. But... I'm, I'm happy with him being up there, but, like, Morris? Really? Uh, I don't mind him. He's, the, where he's playing right now is he is consistently solid every week. Jennings has been pretty good. Jennings has, has been very good, yes. Bradman best? Yeah. 
Yeah. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I know. This is weird. Uh, I like that Croker's not there, hey? Yeah. The thing that's interesting is um, last year's winner was Latrell Mitchell. He's not okay. registered there at all. Yeah, he's not a he's not a centre anymore. Um, mm. Just on Crichton, how good is he going for the Panthers? I'm a huge fan of Crichton. Yeah, he looks like um, he looks like he's going to become something special, hey? Crichton and Naden. Yeah, those two are absolute fucking guns. I love watching them play. Yeah, Naden's got a bit of the beast in him, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like he he doesn't mind their confrontation, and Crichton, uh, like, man, when he fills out, he's going to be just a nightmare. Like he's got, you can see he's got the speed, he's got the instincts, and all that. And when he adds the power, which he's pretty powerful now, but man, he's going to be ridiculous. Absolutely. Um, best five eight. Mm-hmm. Luke Keary forty three percent. Cameron Munster thirty four percent. Uh, Dylan Brown, five, Jack White and four, and Jerome Luai, three. Man, I mean, I, I would have Munster first. Yeah, I'm not too fast on the position of those two, but I'm not surprised to see those two dominating the rest of the field. Even um, White, though, by that much? I'd have... I'm going to be biased. I'd have Benji Marshall at third. Yeah? Yeah. So, like, I think that that field should be a lot close. I think must I'd have Munster first and then Keery and then probably Keery just ahead of Whiten and then Dylan Brown behind them maybe with uh Benji. Yeah, I don't know. Ben I don't see that Benji's done that much wrong. Yeah, I see uh, I definitely have above Blue Eye. I'm a massive fan of Dylan Brown. I always have been. I think it's through the whole podcast. Yeah. And going back to last year I've always said that I really like what I see out of him. And the more I see him play, I just think that every single week he's developing into a real leader in that Parramatta team. That's the thing. Okay. He's so young, but he already looks like the experienced half. Yeah. Yeah. He's younger than Moses. He just has that calm demeanor about him. He's just so much time and so much control. And the timing of like knowing when to inject himself into the game, he doesn't overplay his hand. No. You know, and, and, He's just, he's so dangerous when he's got the ball. I really, really, I love watching him. I love watching the, the Eels play just to watch him play. Him and Siva, obviously. Now, halfback. This is interesting. <sighs> so. Hang on, I'm just going to my happy place. Mitchell Pierce is at 27%. Tied on 22% is Nathan Cleary and Daly Cherry Evans. Mitch Moses at 13%. And. Ben Hunt at 3%. Ben Hunt is such a good halfback that he that he plays hooker. Don't start me on that shit, because when I said what I said last week, I, I fucking had everyone going, oh, Ben Hunt's a hooker now. It's like, shut up. Um, Mitchell Pierce is not the best halfback at the Knights. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you say is the best halfback in the game right now on form? I find it interesting that the best halfback in New South Wales yeah. is second to Mitchell Pearce. <laughs> yes. So I think that I think if you went on form, it's Nathan Cleary without doubt, right? I think if you went on if over the court like going into this year, I think it was Cherry Evans. I think what he did last year with the Seagulls was underestimated. Unbelievable. 
Um, Mitchell Pierce, I'd, I'd have Mitchell Moses ahead of Mitchell Pierce. Fuck, I'd have Ben Hunt ahead of Mitchell Pierce. I'd have Luke Brooks ahead of Mitchell Pierce. Yeah. Croft ahead of Mitchell Pierce. Mitchell Pierce is garbage. It's it's a very interesting one. I, I'm surprised, based on form over the last 18 months, hmm. that Moses didn't rank higher. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Ben Hunt being on there. That's that's the one that gets me more than anything. I expected Mitchell Pierce to be on there. Yeah. Reputation alone gets people a lot of votes, and he's been around a while. Yeah. So I was expecting him to be on there. I didn't expect him to top the list. I didn't expect Ben Hunt to be there at all. That no. got me. Yeah, that's a weird one. Mm. Um, the best prop. Okay. This is a pretty close one because Adam Fanua Blake topped the list. He only had 18% of the vote. Mm. Um, Josh Papali, 13%. Maria Hargroves, 12%. Payne Haas, 11 And James Fisher-Harris, 9 I like all the names there. Um, yeah. And it's hard to argue with them. I think Papali's taken a little bit of a step back this year. Um, Worry Hargraves is always difficult to come up against, I think, for, for teams. Yeah. Um, Haas has been a little bit down this year. And Fisher-Harris, I'm not surprised to see his name there. He's been pretty good. I'm, I'm surprised there's no clamour on there because I think he's been bloody rock solid for the Knights in the last... You know, last season and this season. Yeah, I'd I'd probably have him as. I mean, last year I thought Papali was the best prop forward. Fanua Blake has been great this year, but yeah, he he's been. I mean, he's been rock solid for Newcastle. So yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm not too opposed to it. I think it's yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, best second rower. Viliami kick out, 28%. Boyd Cordner, 17. David Fafita, 10. Wade Graham, 9. And Tyson Frizzell, 6. I I think that this comes down to, say you're playing against kick out and, like, you can't stop him in attack. It really comes down to the Panthers not using him, which is fantastic when they don't use him. I love that. Mm. And then, as I said a, a couple of weeks ago, like, when he's grabbing these opposition players, they stay grabbed yeah. in a weird way. It's like, you know when you'd play football when you were younger and you'd play against like, you know, like when you're in year seven, you'd play against the year 10s and everything would be good, but then one of them would actually grab hold of you and the world would stop. <laughs> and that's what it looks like when Kikau grabs opposition players. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I love his work. Um, I... I thought Wade Graham was a bit low. I, man, I wonder if it comes down to just the Sharks not being good this year. I don't know, man. I'm, I mean, as we know, I'm a massive fanboy of bloody Wade Graham. I think the bloke is an absolute fucking freak of, mm-hmm. of a uh, talent. Mm-hmm. To have gone from being a pretty solid 5'8 to becoming one of the best back rowers in the world. And with he's still got the ball skills. He's still got the very good short kicking game. His passing game is still bloody good. But you throw in the fact that he can pull off some massive, well-timed hits in defense, mm. and they stay hit. Yeah. He doesn't miss. Um, I just rate him. I, and I've never seen Wade Graham have a shit game. 
you know, he's just one of those blokes that's just consistently, he's like a consistent eight out of 10 every week. It's fair to say you've got a vested interest here, though. Well, I've got shares in Wade Graham. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. And to be honest, I've never, I've never bought the hype around Boyd Cordner. I'm not saying he's a bad player, mm. but I I don't see what people think he's so fantastic about him. No, look, he, I think he's he's in the past he's been consistent, and you could rely on him in a rep team to get a job done. I think that he the this year in particular he hasn't been that good. Uh, injuries are starting to get to him, unfortunately, and I, I wouldn't have had him up there. I tell you, the other player I wouldn't have had there is Tyson Frizzell. I think his form has dropped right off. He's been pretty quiet this year. Yeah. Um, and best lock in the NRL. I mean, this is pretty obvious. Um, Jason Tormalolo, forty-nine percent. Jake Trebojevic, twenty-one percent. Um, that's it. Those two will dominate this for fucking years to come. Yeah, and you know, the rest of very, up the very numbers. straightforward. Uh, Victor Radley, ten percent. Uh, Isa Yeo, seven percent, and Cameron Murray and. I dare say that's Brandon Smith, 3%. Yeah, it's a weird one seeing Brandon Smith listed as a lock. Isaiah Yo is playing really good footy this year. He's always been a good football player. He just always had that. Um, he sometimes he had a, a slightly clumsy defensive technique, and he got KO'd a fair few times. Yeah. But he seems to have straightened that out, and, and he is defending a lot better this year. And he just, boy, he does run some very good lines. Yeah, his footwork is really good, um, mm. especially close to the line. He, he's able to put a bit of a spin on and get get an arm free to get a ball away as well. Yeah, look, I think that these rules that we're playing under right now have played right into the hands of almost every single Panthers forward. Um, maybe they hurt Kickow a little bit, but like he's a he's a super athlete, so it kind of doesn't hurt him too much. Um, but yeah, Isaiah, yeah, it's really played into his hands, able to use his footwork and, you know, it, we're lucky to have him too. Absolutely. And next one is Hooker. Cameron Smith, 35%. Appy Corusau, 23%. Surprisingly, uh, Harry Grant, 12%. Um, Damian Cook, 8%. And Josh Hodgson, 7%. I say surprising for Harry Grant because... You know, he's only really come on the scene this year as a player. Yeah. But um, deserves to be a third on the list. Probably even deserves to be a second, if I'm honest with you. Um, because he's turned that West Tigers side from being genuine, you know, bottom, you know, a bottom eight side to being a, a team that actually has the potential to be a finalist this year. Yeah. He's and something else. He he really is. I think he's still leading the Dally M votes. Um Hard to argue against Cameron Smith. At Coruscant, once again, I think it's one of those things of like, you're playing that Panthers team, their defense is fantastic, and then Coruscant's running out of dummy half. Like, that's got to be a nightmare. Grant, I think, is ahead of Cook. I would say that definitely this year. I think uh, Cook's form is down, and Grant has just been a better all-round player for them. And Hodgson, I wouldn't have on the list at all. Yeah, I was wondering who else you could put on there instead of Hodgson. Um, I'd have Brandon Smith at the Storm. I'd have him ahead of him. I'd have uh, 
I'd have George Williams ahead of him, Andrew. Well, we all would. <laughs> um, so, who is the best player in the poll? And it turned out that it was James Tedesco. Best player in the world? Look, it's hard to argue against. And oh, no, not, not the world, sorry, in the NRL. Yeah, well, same yeah. thing. It's the same thing. Let's not bullshit, Andy. Um, well, you know, it's hard to tell because you can't put him up against some of those English superstars, you know, Callum Watkins and the like. Yes, yes, that's true. Um, it, it's His form has been undeniable. He's tailed off a little bit the last few weeks. Uh, Tao Malolo, look, I, I think he's the best player in the world overall, but um, and then Cameron Smith after him. Like, the, the players there that they've named... Uh, like it's been Tal Malolo is in second place on 21%. Cameron Smith, 9%. Tom Trebojevic, I probably wouldn't have said him um, at 5%. Mitchell Moses at 3%. I can even make a case for Mitchell Moses at 3%. I mean, when he's been on form, he's been really, really good. Well, this is the interesting thing, okay. Is Mitchell Moses is listed as a halfback, obviously. Yeah. And so he's one of the five... <laughs> He's picked as one of the top five players in the game. Yeah. He's the only halfback that they've named in the top five. Yes. Yet these same people picked Mitchell Pierce as the best halfback. I know it doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, no, that's it. <laughs> that's all I was going to say. <laughs> it's dumb, do you, eh? Do you think... All those people who voted for Mitchell Pierce mm. got the two Mitchells mixed up. I guess there's that possibility. I still, I still say Mitchell Pierce must just be the most likable player that you've ever met. Everyone, he just must be awesome. Must be. Um, who is the best coach? Trent Robinson, twenty-four percent. Craig Bellamy, seventeen. Wayne Bennett, ten. Ivan Cleary, eight. Adam O'Brien, eight. Well, I'm surprised that Seabell's not there. Yeah, or uh, or McGregor. I mean, he's he's been around for a long time now, McGregor. Mm. Um, it's you know, it's hard to argue with that one. I would say Bellamy's the best coach, but you know, look who's got the two premierships in a row. Yeah, it's. I put it to you. Do you reckon Trent Robinson is now in a situation where he might be about to overtake Bellamy as the super coach? Personally, for me, I would say no, because I think we've seen Bellamy do it through different um, eras at the Storm. Like, how many times have we looked at the Storm? We've said, oh, there's stuff now. They're losing Israel Folau, you know. <laughs> um, he's done it so many times. And, like, you think of how many players, like Cameron Munster developed him. Brandon Smith developed him. Like, there's so many players. Uh, changed the styles of play. I think that you look at the way the Storm are playing now. I think the Storm were geared up for not this six again rule because they've got a lot of very big forwards. And then this six again rule comes in and it's like, man, we we are just not set up for this. And that's where you see someone like Brandon Smith playing it like prop. <laughs> and it's amazing when he does. Um, so I, I like that's the way I think that Bellamy... You know, that's why I have him up there. I, I think Robinson is very, very good, though, and he's definitely the second-best coach. Absolutely. Um, 
Who is the best captain in the NRL? And Cameron Smith smashes him. He's got 38%. Boyd Cordner, 16. James Tamo, 6. RTS, 5. And Mitchell Pearce and Cherry Evans are tied at 5% as well. This should have been just 100% Cameron Smith. Yeah. I thought Tamo would have been higher. Where's Moses and Bai on the list? (laughs) (laughs) Moses. It, you know, it's hilarious. If Moses and Bai was on that list, he would be the highest paid player on that list outside of RTS. RTS is on. <laughs> RTS is on. Exactly. Um, most impressive rookie in 2020, Harry Grant, 43%. Um, Bradman Best, 26 Alisa Katoa, 7%. Matt Burton, 6%. And Stephen Crichton, 5%. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think Crichton would have been higher if they had have uh, done this poll, like, say, this week. But yeah. I think Harry Grant would still lead it by a big margin. Yeah. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. No. Who's been the best buy of the year? And Harry Grant's got 43%, although he hasn't actually been a buy. He's actually alone. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Appy Corusau, 24%. Josh Morris, 16%. I'm not thinking about Ryan Madison, 6%. Um, George Williams and Latrell Mitchell, 3%. It's George Williams is a weird one. Um yeah, it's hard to argue with any of them. I think they're pretty good. Apart from uh, Ryan Madison, because like, I just don't even think about him very much. Yeah, I'm not thinking about him. No. Um, who is the most damaging tackler in the NRL? Victor Radley, 40%. George Tafua, 38%. Dylan Napper, 7 Junior Paulo, 4 And JWH and JFH, 3%. <laughs> just wanted to do that. that. I wasn't expecting that. Um, man, I, I, I'm surprised George Tafua isn't leading that one. I'm surprised Wade Graham's not there. Yeah, Wade Graham. Um, trying to think who else is is just a smasher. Um, I'm surprised Brandon Smith isn't there, actually. Brandon Smith. Yeah. Who is the hardest player to tackle in the NRL? <laughs> no surprises here. <laughs> this Tom Malolo, 52%. Um, Nelson Asfa-Solomona, 8%. Kick-out, 7%. RTS, 7%. Ponga, 6%. And I agree with all of that. Yeah, I do too. Just Tom Malolo. Who'd he's, want to be trying to stop him? He's crazy. Like, the weird thing is, like, he can be in a, a tackle where four defensive players are on him, and he's still standing up. They can't get him to the ground. Yeah. Um, who is the best sledger in the NRL? Now, the interesting thing here is 84 people decided not to vote. Oh, really? Out of, out of the 150, they only had 66 votes. Wow, that's crazy. Josh Maguire topped up with 30%. Josh Reynolds, 6%. Jerome Luai, 6%. Cameron Smith, David Clemmer, Nathan Peets, 5%. Would you ever thought that Jerome Luai is a sledger? No. Neither would I. No. Not not in the slightest. No. It's a weird one. Don't know who else I would have put in there. Who comes I... across as a sledger? <clears throat> um so, I was thinking maybe Isaac Luke. But you can't really sledger in your team that's getting flogged every week. Yeah, that's a good point. Darius um... Boyd. <laughs> Imagine being sledged by Darius Boyd. I just feel sorry for him. <laughs> You've got, like, ugly hair. <laughs> Thanks, Darius. 
you're 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 a dumb idiot. <laughs> you're a poo head. <laughs> your your head smells like poo. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Darius. <laughs> Keep um, that son. Uh, um, who do you think will win the twenty twenty Dally M? And Jason Tormalolo, fifty two percent. James Tedesco, who they think is the best player in the game at the moment, is eighty percent. <laughs> Harry Grant, 14%. Nathan Cleary, 6%. Cameron Smith and Gutherson at 5%. Who do you think will win it? Um, I'll tell you what, if form's anything to go by, Harry Grant's got this thing wrapped up. Oh, what the fuck, man? Well, look, at the end of the day, if you're a star in a team that doesn't have many other stars, you're going to get all the points every time your team wins. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's the problem with Tamalalo. Like, how many games do you watch where the... The, like, even on the weekend, it, it was probably his quietest game. He was still difficult to play against, you know? He is. But the problem he's going to get is if the Cowboys are losing more games than they win, it's going to be hard for him to get three points every week. Yeah. Whereas Tedesco, the issue he's got is he's got a ton of other great players in the side as well who he's going to be fighting for points with. Who's Harry Grant fighting with for points? So I, I think if I had to put my money on it now... I would say Nathan Cleary. He's going to be fighting with kick out, though. They're going to yeah, be taking points off each other. 100%. But I, I just think that with the he has such a command of this Panthers team right now. Like, he's gone to such a different level than he was even last year. Um, he's, starting to, he's starting to look like a great halfback. Like, not just a good halfback, a great one. And if he keeps playing the way that he's playing, like on the weekend, he won them the game. That I thought that Panthers played average, and he, he really kept them in that game. Um, so I would say it's going to be between him, Tamalolo, and, and Grant. Yeah, that's true. I'm not opposed to that. Um, apart from your team, who will win the 2020 Premiership? Roosters, 46%. Parramatta, 30%. Penrith, 9%. Storm, 6%. Knights, 4%. The Knights, eh? The thing that surprises me that I didn't realise, because I think we did this last year. Yeah. Is I'm looking at the votes for last year, and the West Tigers got 4% of the vote when they were fourth. What the Uh, fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What the fuck? That's weird. That is very weird. Uh, anyways, um, if you had to leave your club, which team would you want to sign with? 23% said the Roosters, 17% said the Broncos, 40% said the Storm, 12% the Knights, 6% said Manly. I'd love to ask those players why. Yeah. Because I can, I can see why you'd want to play for the Broncos. I can see why you'd want to play for the Storm. I don't understand why anyone wants to play for the Roosters. I don't know why you'd want to go and play for the Knights or Manly. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. Mm. So that's part one done. Yep. Let's smash part two. Okay, this is not going to be positional stuff. This is actually going to be stuff worth debating. Mm. If you're starting up a new NRL team, who's the first player you'd sign? Tedesco, 19%. Tom Trevojevic, 16%. Ponga, 13%. Tormalolo, 13%. Cleary, 7%. Ooh, that's interesting. Who would you sign out of those players if you were starting the team? Um. <clears throat> yeah, two. 
two of my three favorite players are in there, so I don't know. I'd probably <laughs> go with Tedesco just. Really? I, I think I think in the way the game is played these days, you need every set to start off on the right foot, and Tedesco helps that. And he's also able to, to be a genuine playmaker as well. So it helps you, helps relieve a bit of pressure off a half that you've got to pick. He would be my fourth choice. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Tom Trebojevic would be last because he's injury prone. It's like... That's you the know, only reason why I'm not picking him. He's yeah. injury prone. Uh, I think I would pick Cleary because you've got a half back and he could be playing for another 12 years, even from today. Um, then I would probably go Talmalolo because, you know, like it's, you know exactly what you're getting out of Talmalolo. And then I'd go Ponga because he, he, he's fantastic. Oh, I'm a big fan of Ponga. Yeah, I'd be going Tedesco, um, Cleary, Tomalolo, Wade Graham, and then I don't care who I pick after that. Wade Graham? But Wade Graham's old. He's 27 or something. No, he's older than that. If he's older than that, he's 28. Look, at, You should look it up. Is there a website that we know of that you get complete? Oh, there you go. He is older than that. He's 29. I called it. He's not that much older. Am I am I now the statistical guru? Super yes. Guru? Yes, Excellent. I'll give you all the logins to Rugby League Project and you can devote the rest of your life to updating it. I hereby relinquish my crown. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man, I, you know, I've got it all set up for you. We're about to start putting all the English data in there. As they say in the classics, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um... Which team do you most love to beat? With 24%. <laughs> that just tells you every single player in the game at the moment is very happy because they've all beaten the Broncos this year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Roosters, Eels and Storm, 15% and South, 6%. Yeah, I can I can see where all of them come into it. Yep, I'm happy with all of those. I like beating those teams too. Who yeah. do you think will win this year's State of Origin series? New South Wales 2-1, got 42%. New South Wales 3-0, 28%. Queensland 2-1, 24%. Queensland 3-0, 6%. So we now officially know that 6% of the NRL players are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, man, like, do we even talk about State of Origin just yet? No. No, I don't want to either. Let's, I'm glad let's, be the, let's be the only, you know, media-ish type outlet that doesn't do that now. I know. No, let's pick our origin teams. That makes no sense. Okay, let's go to the next question. Which player most deserves to make his state of origin oh, debut God. in 2020? <laughs> Luke Keary, 62%. Victor Radley, 14%. Harry Grant, 6%. Mitch Moses, 3%. Edric Lee, 3%. Lee, that's random. Oh. I agree with the first three, though. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if Radley's going to get to, though, is he? Isn't he out with an injury? Yeah, I think he would be out for the... I don't think they'd risk it even... Well, not for him anyway. Like, he's too young. It's not yeah. worth it for him. Exactly. Do you believe the NRL should introduce a standalone state of origin period in the middle of the year? Yes, 59%. No, 41%. Well, that's clear. Let's do it. Yep. I'm strapped in for it. It'll yep. be interesting to see how successful this end-of-year origin thing is because I think if it goes nuts... We're going to end up with end of year start of origin series. Exactly. Um, is there enough talent to cater for a seventh team in the NRL? 
Yes, 83%, no, 70%. I agree. Get into it. I will say this, right? Just say you were somebody that was employed by NRL teams. Would you want there to be more jobs? Well, that's true. But I think overall, too, it's I, I can't see how there's a genuine um, argument that suggests that there isn't enough talent out there. Oh, yeah, I definitely, I agree. I agree 100%. So, I've got no issue. Um, where should the NRL's next team be based? Brisbane, 49%. Perth, 18%. Central Coast, 12%. Wellington, 5%. Fiji, 5%. That's interesting. I mean, Central Coast is never going to get a team. The interesting um, thing is, in 2018, Perth topped the vote with 27%. Brisbane had 26%. And in mm-hmm. 2019... Perth increased and had 41% and Brisbane had 18%. All of a sudden now, those two have switched around. Yeah, I, this feels like it's driven a lot by what plays probably here in the media, hey? Agreed, because mm. Perth was looking like the number one spot. And then you had that nine thing where, you know, it was absolutely stinking hot. They were competing with some other sport. And it was, you know, one of the three days it was played on was Friday. Mm. and they didn't get a big crowd because of it, and the media just went, oh, Perth doesn't deserve to have it. They can't even turn out for the nines. Yeah, true. And, like, I mean, it was the nines. Like, I know you and me, we're rugby league tragics. Who won the nines? Um, don't know. I, I couldn't tell you either. All, all I remember from the nines is one try was awarded that was a complete fucking shouldn't have been. Oh, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. That's all we know. <laughs> Who won the nines? Um, was it Dragons, Penrith? It wasn't Penrith. Because huh. I would have been still bragging about that. Um, who would have won the Nines? I'll do a Google search. Was it Roosters? Or Eels? It was the Cowboys. There you go. They beat the Dragons. Wow. Jeez, was, wasn't that an ominous warning for the season? <laughs> <laughs> I, you, I bet you can go back and you can read articles like, it's going to be a good sign for the Cowboys and the Dragons. <laughs> but that, like you and me, we're, we're like balls deep in rugby league all the time. And we don't, we had no idea who won it. So that says a lot about, I wrote an article um, while the Knights were on that was along the lines of is the NRL, is rugby league putting on events that rugby league fans don't care about? Yeah, and I think the NRL missed a huge opportunity with the nines without rehashing what we've said before because, you know, just watching NRL players playing each other in a different format doesn't really excite me. I want to see different players, new teams, all that sort of thing. Now the World Cup nines, amazing. Yeah, that was that was definitely better. Yeah, I could you... go. I could talk for an hour about the World Cup of Nines. I went for two days. Amazing, I loved it. As we found watching those, you know, uh, international games between like Spain and Ireland, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Didn't know a single player, mm-hmm. and because you got teams at different skill levels, they play with completely different styles to try and nullify their opposition. Mm. Like we saw, Spain would rush up and just gang tackle every Irish player that was doing a hit up. Yeah. But for the most part, it was working. Remember Spain had that halfback? I feel like his name was Garcia. I think it was. And and he was amazing. 
Um, and that's the thing you get when you start mixing up and bringing other people in. Mm. And whereas if you're just watching NRL players every week, you're just watching the same you'd normally watch. Yeah, yeah. It just did nothing for me at all. And mm. as I said, I'm somebody that put my money where my mouth was with the World Cup of Nines and loved it, absolutely loved it. If they put it on again next weekend, I would actually go and get coronavirus to watch it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and the world, the, the NRL nines, I just didn't care about. No. Now, the next two questions have probably got a... Yeah, the players have all got a vested interest in this one. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate the performance of the refs in 2020? Okay. And with one referee, where the players can get away with a little bit more... They've said 3.35, which is up on 3.1 from last year and 2.6 the year before, out of five. Yeah. So, for the last, like... for, so essentially, for the last three years, they've given them a pass. Mm. But they're saying they're getting better. I, I feel sorry for the referees this year. They've got too much to look at. Exactly. And I'm not surprised that the players are going to say, yeah, they're doing great because they, they want one referee, not mm. because they think it's great for the game, because it's good for what they're doing on the field. Get away with a bit more stuff. Don't you reckon that the, like, the way we're playing football now is not a long-term thing, right? Do you agree with that? I hope so, yes. <laughs> and I feel like... It, it, it's going to happen. It might not happen next year, but maybe the year after where people will either be saying, look, we've got to slow down with these six again calls or we need to have another set of eyes that are just watching the ruck. And that's the second referee coming back on the field. I feel as though in five years time, we will be back to two referees. I think it's going to happen eventually. Especially yeah. if, we, if we have a situation where score lines start to blow out a little bit more frequently than they currently are. Mm-hmm. It's not a huge concern at the moment because it's not that much. It's not significantly higher than usual. It is a little bit higher than what we've been having over the last um, almost 10 years. Mm-hmm. But it's not It's not the alarming levels like it was in the early 2000s. I'll put it that way. But yeah, if it it's... starts getting worse and that starts to come back, then that's something they're going to have to do is think about bringing in two referees just to slow down the ruck a little bit, make sure it's cleaner, and get the games a bit more competitive again. Yeah, because, like, I mean, it, in the early 2000s, it was like touch footy. It was ridiculous. I hated it. You know? Yeah, and the referees were just going along for the ride. They weren't able to keep up with it because it was just moving so fast. Yeah, and but the thing that you're seeing right now is... The play the ball is an absolute mess. Like, players are playing it sideways. They're just rolling the ball back between their legs. It's it's an absolute yeah. mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, and the referees have got so much to look at, they can't they can't focus on that. No. And what we've got right now is the system that Phil Gould wanted, and that was the referees only call some of the penalties some of the times. And what you get with that is immense inconsistency. Exactly. And that's why we've got people now talking about some referees giving more six against than others. Yeah, and it's just the inconsistent thing. And, like, when you think of everything that a referee has to look at on every single play, of course they're not going to get everything. And that's why, you like, you'll see a game and they'll call six again and you'll be like, what was that for? That Like, that wasn't any different than the last three play the balls. It was actually better. And... But it's because the referee saw that one. He didn't get to see the other two happen, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I hate it. 
I, I really think that it's it's been bad for the for the football that's been played. And I think that, you know, when you see a terrible team, like on the weekend we saw the Sharks, they were they played poorly and they put up a big score against the Warriors. That's not good. No, and you know, as I said before, Melbourne were not at all convincing either. And they they run up forty pretty easily against the Titans, and that's the thing is that the the better teams in a contest are more likely to run away with a match at the moment than in, than they hadn't in the past because mm. it's easier to get a weight of possession in your favour. Yeah, yeah, and like you can you can see sometimes you know two pretty evenly matched teams. One of them will get that weight of possession, and and they they know it, and they just start grinding away, and all of a sudden you've got a game that's over. Yeah. Um, do you agree with the NRL's decision to go back to one referee? Yes, forty nine percent. No, fifteen percent. Don't care, thirty seven percent. I love that. Don't care got such a high score. <laughs> <laughs> um. On a scale of one to five, how would you rate the performance of the new NRL administration compared to previous years? All right, it's time to butter up whole PVL. Yeah. Currently, 3.5 out of five. Um, previous, 2.4 out of five. I mean, obviously, it's improved, but it's not exactly glowing, I guess. Can I just say, too, there's this thing that fucking people throw at you, and they say, look, Peter Volandi's got the game running again when no one else could have. Yes, they would have got the game fucking running again. In fact, Todd Greenberg was getting the game running again, and then he was sacked. Yeah. Um, let's put it this way. Rugby Union is back running again. Yeah. That shows you don't need to be a good administrator to get sport back running again. There's some hilarious stuff going on in Australian Rugby Union. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we, we'll need to talk to about it, like, maybe in the next episode. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you believe this new six again rule is positive addition to the sport? 59% said yes. 14% said no. 27% said too early to tell. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, the players like it pretty overwhelmingly. I do. I think it's too early to tell. Yeah, likewise. Um, how many captain's challenges should each team get? 7% said none. 63% are happy with one. 29% said two. 1% said more than two. I'm glad that only 1% said more than two. I think one is more than enough. Yeah. I'm with and the uh, 7% that said none. I love the uh, I love the way that, like, you see some teams, they burn it within the first seven minutes of the match, <laughs> and you're just like, you are so dumb. <laughs> like, that. If, in my opinion, right, just say the captions challenge. If I'm the coach, right, I say... We don't use it. We do not use it. All right? And it's there if we need it one day at the end of the match. And yeah. it's a close call, you know? Um, should there also be a five-minute simbin for minor indiscretions? Ugh. 55% said yes. 45% said no. I hate we've, it. We've, we've discussed this before. Five yeah. minutes in the bin is fucking nothing. No. It's utterly pointless. Hmm. 10 minutes should be the, the minor indiscretion. Mm-hmm. And if they want to have a big one that's not a send-off, then they should have 20, 20 minutes in the bin. Yep, I agree, 100%. Um, should the bunker rule on forward passes? 32% said yes. Only passes leading to tries gets 31%, and no is 37%. That's not very convincing either way. 
Yeah, that's... uh, And that feels like what you see with people. I think that when you sit down and you show somebody how it's just completely impossible, they get it and they eventually say, oh, yeah, you're right, no. Yeah. Do you agree with the NRL's position to support funding for suburban grounds over major venues? Yes, 90%, no 10%. Wow. It's it's a weird one because Stadium Australia is not going to get that upgrade anymore. But, it, but uh, like, they're looking to get... I think they were looking to get Penrith upgraded, Campbelltown upgraded... They and they all the Campbelltown and all a Liverpool upgrade so that the Bulldogs could play out of it as well. And they wanted to get the Seagulls an upgrade and then one in and around the St George area. I don't think they're going to get all of them. I think that the Panthers will end up with an upgrade. I've said that for a number of years now, but um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that Sydney needs a world class 80,000 seat stadium, and it's kind of weird that we don't have one. Yeah, it's something that they definitely need to have, and it mm. needs to be needs to be a rectangle too. By the way, yeah, one hundred percent, and it needs to have roof. Yes, I'm happy with that. Um, when should the NRL Grand Final be played? Afternoon, forty three percent. Twilight, thirty six percent. Evening slash night, twenty one percent. I agree with the afternoon one. Yeah, I don't mind afternoon or twilight. Uh, I don't like evening Grand Finals. I don't like evening games. To be honest, I think they should kick off no later than 7 o'clock. Um, I agree with that completely. Do you think there should be an 18th man used for players injured from foul play? Yes, 86%. No, 14%. I love the picture that they used. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, shit. It's, uh, Joey, it's basically Joey Leilua coat hanging in Dylan Edwards for no reason whatsoever because his brother got injured like 10 minutes earlier. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely stupid. Um, I'm, I've am i not really given this much thought. I'm, I wouldn't be opposed if they brought this rule in. I would. I think you get 17 players and we play the game. And what happens on the field happens on the field. And it's just part of the game, you know. I, I, you know, I tell you one thing I would like to see happen. I think if the trainer has to blow up play because the defensive player is back upfield and they want the game stopped, I think that play should be forced off the field. Yes. Um, I also think if someone is has done uh, a genuinely illegal play, which renders them put on report, I don't care what it is, they should get 10 minutes in the bin. And the reason for that is the Lua case is a perfect example. Okay. Imagine if you hurt Edwards. Right. Yeah. Edwards can't finish the game and Edwards is out for two weeks. Yeah. Lua being able to finish that game and then get suspended for two weeks after that, mm-hmm. that doesn't benefit Penrith in any way whatsoever. That actually hinders them because they've lost a the player and the Tigers haven't. So the Tigers are able to finish that game with their full strength side, whereas Penrith can't. I don't see how that's right. And I think in a situation like that, if you get put on report, you should always go in the bin. I know Lila got, you know, whatever from on the game anyway. But just saying as, as an example like that, if you've done something that's bad enough to be put on report, you should get 10 minutes in the bin. I uh, think players would be less inclined <clears throat> to, to try and press the referee's luck and, you know, push things to the limit if they knew that if it could lend them on report, 
for something that they may not get suspended for, then they're still going to do it. Whereas if you say, right, you're going to get simbined if you get put on report, they're going to be less inclined to do that illegal shit. See, I feel like most of the things that go on report are just accidents. They might be, but still, you've got to... You, you can't treat them as accidents all the time. I know, I know. Like, you've kind of got to just treat them as is, but, I, like, and I think we talked about this with one instant incident last year, and I can't remember what one it was, but I don't know what you get out of suspending or, or say, sin-binning a player for an accident. And, look, sometimes you have to because what they've done to a player is just too bad. But I think if it's just... A pure, like, look at uh, Luciano Leilu the other week, right? He's fallen into a tackle, and he gets popped on the chin, and it really knocked him about. Like, it was really scary for a bit there. It, it looked like he'd done something very serious. Thankfully, he hadn't. Um, but that was just a pure accident. Do you send the player off that did that? I'd give him 10 in the bin, absolutely. Just as I, I would Josh Reynolds for when he was trying to kick that ball ahead, and he kicked the player in the face. See, I, I, you I can't. You, you can't be. You can't be kicking towards someone's face. I know you said you know if you don't your face kick, you don't put your your head there. But at the yeah. same time, if you see your player's bending over to, to grab a ball, you don't kick at it. Yeah, you do. You kick the fucking shit out of it. <laughs> you might score a try. Do you reckon that? The, do you reckon anyone will ever die in front of Josh Reynolds again? He'll put your fucking head into row C. <laughs> so, so you were opposed to the rule where you're not allowed to slide into tackles with your feet. No, when, I'm not opposed to that, right? Because that's different. I don't, I don't see how it is. I, that's completely different because Josh Reynolds in in a the it was a, a in motion. The play was in motion, and he was kicking the ball through. Right, the player dives in face first at the ball. Like that's not uh, Josh Reynolds' fault. But the player bent over. He didn't dive. Well, and that's the thing. He saw him bent over when he went to kick the ball, so he knew he that player's head was going to be close to the ball. And to me, that's no different to when you go, you're a fullback and you slide in feet first to try and stop someone from getting the ball down. You're not trying to hit him in the head, but your feet are going towards the head. And that's the same thing Reynolds was doing. He's, he wasn't intended to kick him in the head, but his foot was going to be going near his head. You're talking about thing. you're talking about two defensive decisions, right? One in one defensive decision. A defender decides to go in feet first at a player who is sliding head first to score a try, right? That's dangerous. In the second instance, a player and a defender decides to slide in face first to stop a ball being kicked. They're both bad decisions. They are both bad decisions, but at the same time, you cannot be kicking at someone's head. And well, you I don't can see... if they put their head in the way. I, 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 will, I will die on this hill, Andrew. We are not going to fucking agree on this one. This might be the first thing we completely disagree on. I think that Josh Reynolds, if I'm Josh Reynolds in that situation, I walked up to the referee and said, fucking dickhead put his head in the way while I was kicking the ball through. I was going to score a try. <laughs> nah, I'll be putting him in the fucking bin. I, I, look, I trust Josh Reynolds' judgment. I don't. I've seen what he does to plastic chairs in the dressing room. I know what he can do when he's kicking. He don't I, miss. <laughs> I just, I just think that like, like it was just the run of play, and it was just, it was an accident. He didn't try and kick him in the head on purpose. He was trying to kick the ball, and the guy's head just happened to be there. And you know, you got to crack some eggs to make an omelet. It's rugby league. Sometimes you're going to hurt some people. <laughs> 
That's why we play the game to hurt people. Legally. Yeah, legally. Yeah, Russell Packer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the players poll. <laughs> you you good there? Yeah, I'm good. That was good. I really like that. That I like it when you say things that I know are cathartic for you. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I can't believe he gets called up. Yeah. Uh, anyways, it's been a good episode. Have we had any emails? We've had two emails. Hey, oh, uh, let me get. Let me just enter the. Uh, one of them was through the website fergonthefreak.com, and one of them was to my personal email account. Um, okay, so the first one was from Adam. Um, he actually sent this today at about lunchtime. He said, "Hey, freaky, get your resume out and head north, freaky. The Cowboys need you." So that was from Adam, he said, and it says, sent from my Commodore 64. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, the second one, uh, I've got to log in. Hang on. Baloney one. Come on, load up, load up. Okay, feedback. We might have more feedback. Okay. Spam. 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 Hang on. That's it's, it's, I think it's German. We ick mit passive in ick and men. I don't even know. Um, Do we have any fans who are German who could read it? I know one for German fan that could read it. Yeah, we know of one. Um, we just need to get him, you know, off the French wines and the cheeses and stuff. We yeah. know he likes France. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we won't go any further into that area, but... No. Uh, we, we need to get him to read that email, I think. Yeah, I should save it. Okay, so we got an email from John M. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I'll read through this whole thing, and then we can decide uh, what we want to say about it. So he says, so this is John M. Really enjoy the show and covering topics others don't, but any chance you could be a bit more positive and show the maturity to change your mind, boys. Super League, shit. Union, shit. Philandis, shit. Hodgson, shit. Gutherson, shit. Williams, reserve grade. Sheens, shit. I get you have to pad out an hour and there's some great stuff, but small-minded attitudes do you no favours. As a Tigers fan, 2005 was one of the best years of my life. Union is fantastic. Union is a fantastic different game that doesn't fixate on league. Super League, the only other professional league in the world, and he says for the best game in the world, so shouldn't it be promoted? Volantis has got the season going and league publicity it's never seen before globally. Hodgson and Gutherson, both huge parts of the club's renaissance and seem to be loved by the fans. Are they all wrong? Yes. I thought <laughs> Raiders were brilliant the other night and Williams was the guiding hand with Papali the muscle and he scored a cracking try. All I ask to show you're capable of changing your minds if the evidence is blindingly obvious and sometimes cheer up. Good work, boys. And he gives a thumbs up. I think it's worth noting that I'm pretty sure I, I gave George Williams credit for for being playing well this year. And you, so I've been calling him shit. 
And plus, we've been getting lots of praise about the size of his kicking game. Yeah. And his cock. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Um, um, over, well, look, I said Clint Gutherson the other, the other week played the best game of his career. Indeed. And we haven't said anything about Peter Volandi's really negative for a few months. No, not that I can think of. We said our um, bits. We don't. We don't harp on shit too much. No. Um, what else is there here? Hodgson is crap. I mean, they played better without him. Yeah, I've given him praise when he's deserved it. I don't think he's. I don't think he's reserved great, but I also don't think he's as good as a lot of people say he is. What would you? How would you describe Super League? Um. To me, it's it's clearly a step down from the NRL. We saw that in abundance in 1997, that World Club Challenge, and there's been nothing to prove to me since then that Super League has got better since then, let alone caught up to where NRL's gone, because the NRL's obviously got better since then. So I'm not going to say English Rugby League is shit because any Rugby League is good, but I'm not going to sit there and, and try and pretend like Super League is at the same level as the NRL. It clearly isn't. Wow, that's really negative. I would never have said that about Super League. There you go. <laughs> um, what about 2005? What did we say about 2005? I I may have suggested that there was a little bit of... Uh, fluke's probably a strong word. I think that... Didn't we I say think, it was I, like... I think I said something along the lines of, I don't think that the West Tigers were the best team in 2005. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, but didn't we say, like, they were the right team playing the right style at the right place at the right time and you couldn't take anything away from them? You did, yes. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> and Rugby Union is fucking garbage, Nazi-loving assholes. Yeah, look, I'm not going to ever be giving credit to a sport that would side with the Nazis. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hold grudges that are 80 years old. Oh, yeah. That's just what I do. Exactly. Even though I'm not 80, but there you go. Um, is Tim Shane shit? I said in a even in a recent episode mm-hmm. that I think Tim Shane is a very good coach if you give him a three year deal. That's right, and then sack him. We'll uh, just move on. You just give him three years, and that's it. But have a look at what he did at the West Tigers when he was there for too long. Yeah, they won was... a premiership, and then they did nothing for you know five years. Of yeah. being in the wilderness, they did not capitalise on that success. It was he, rough. He did he did great work bringing juniors through. We've never had uh, a crop of juniors come through the club, anything like what Tim Sheen's brought through. But he also brought through a, a fair bit of inconsistency at the club. It struggled to ever make the finals again. Um, and when they did make them again, it was on the back of almost entirely, Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrar having two absolutely stunning seasons where Benji was the... He got the golden boot for being the best player in the world when that actually meant something. Mm-hmm. And Robbie Farrar was very close to winning the Dalian Player of the Year for two or three years in a row. I think he finished second or third for a few years there in a row. And so, the, I think the problem with Tim Sheens too, he had a style that was successful. And when the game changed and, and moved forward and that style was no longer successful, he kept on trying to make that style exactly work right. and did break from it, you know, and, and that's a problem. That's exactly right. 
Um, and I've said before that if, if there is a club in the NRL that needs to have a rebuild and needs to work on its juniors, then Tim Sheens is the first coach I would pick to come in and fix that situation up. And I, I said in the last episode I was on that he'd be perfect to the Warriors because they would have a, a ton of juniors just waiting to be picked out there. Um, I'd have him there in a flash to just say, you know what, let's start focusing on our juniors, get that talent in here, get it coached up and, you know, get the players respecting a coach and having a coach that knows how an attack works because that's something that the Warriors just don't understand at the moment. So, do you reckon the Warriors need, do you reckon the Warriors could use, like there was talk that the Walker brothers were going to sign with them. I don't think they need someone like that. I I think that you need someone like say a Jeff Tuvey, right? To get him in. But do you think that you could bring in your Jeff Tuvey and then have with him like a Tim Sheens, and then a Brian Smith, and just like just overwhelm that club with coaching. I think you just need Sheens and Tuvi, and you've got Sheens as the you know coaching whatever it is director. Mm. He could focus on getting that that junior talent working and getting that junior system set up, and leave Tuvi to running the NRL squad. I think that would be an absolutely brilliant mix because Sheens could help out with attacking plays and the like because. That is something he's good at. Mm. There's never an issue with the Tigers' attack in the whole Tim Sheens era. Everyone knows that. But defensively, it was always a weakness for them. And that's something that Tuvi's not crap at. Tuvi's a very good defensive coach. Yeah. That would be a perfect mix. And you'd get everything then. You'd get a team that's going to get coached in both areas, defense and attack on the field. You're actually going to have someone focusing on the junior development so that the NRL coach doesn't have to worry about it. Mm Mm-hmm be perfect mix that would be the greatest thing that would ever happen to that Warriors club and I'd give them three or four years they'd be in the finals regular so easy I think that the other thing they need to do they've had they've had a problem with their junior development that's it's just stopped for whatever reason they were producing like really top class youngsters and it just it's for whatever reason it's just stopped and I think that the loss of the NYC has been a big problem with that, and it's hilarious to now see Phil Gould saying that they should never have got rid of that because he was the first person screaming from the hilltops that they needed to get rid of the NYC. <laughs> um, you know, so Karen once again strikes. But uh, I, I think that the Warriors need to really work out what's gone wrong there because... There's a disconnect between the talent that they used to produce and what they're producing now, and that's just not the same quality. Um, I think so, part of the yeah. problem too is going to be that because the, the Warriors have been pretty average, especially the last two years, but for the majority of the last ten years, they've you know they've barely made a an even hint of being a finalist. They've, they've snuck in there once or twice, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, are they, they went from being a team that was like, man, the Warriors could do something. They're a bit scary too. Oh yeah, the Warriors are an easy beat if they make the eight. Yeah. Um, and now they're a team where I dare say a lot of juniors will get developed over there and they just go, I'll just go over to Sydney or Brisbane or whatever and just play for them. And I know I'm going to be a chance of making the finals at least once in a three year deal. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Can you imagine if they didn't have RTS? It would be very bad. Yeah, it would be like 
at least with RTS, you can say, well, they've got one of the best players in the world. They can attract the best of the best talent. If they didn't have an RTS, you'd be saying, well, like, where do you start? Yeah. They've got a few good juniors there, but the problem still is developing them beyond that initial talent that they come to grade with. That's yeah. long been an issue with the Warriors as well. So that's another thing that Sheens can help with. But again, you know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have Sheens around for too long. Get him get him in there on a three year deal. Get him focusing on a few core things. He would absolutely knock it out of the park, and then he could just walk away, and everything would be set up, ready to go. Do you think next year the Warriors should be allowed to play every single game in New Zealand? I'd be fine with that. I suggested I think, that in a tweet. I think. Oh, did you? Yeah, I think I made I made a tweet about that back when the competition was suspended. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I saw somebody uh, on Twitter. They suggested that, and I can't remember who it was. And I was like, yeah, why not? Like, I can't see any negative in that. I think the Warriors deserve it. It would be a cool way for the Warriors in the NRL to move around New Zealand. I would actually love to see um, if we have a magic weekend next year for it to be in New Zealand, maybe kick the season off next year in New Zealand. Rugby league all around both the North and South Island. I think it would be brilliant. Yeah. Well, here it is, March 20. I've ran a poll. Mm-hmm. With the Warriors choosing to stay in Australia and away from loved ones back in New Zealand, the NRL should reward them in some way. Which of these ideas? Number one, all Warriors games home and away to be played in New Zealand in 2021. Cash in the cap, uh, extra pay to plays or extra competition points. And I had 1,265 votes. Wow. 41.4% said all Warriors games home and away should be played in New Zealand in 2021. Okay. That no, was pretty convincing there. But, yeah, so yeah. there you go. I put the idea out there back in March. No, I'm pretty sure it was my idea, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that, well, look, I yeah, I agree. I can't remember who it was that brought it up, but it was like, yeah, that'd be great. I think it'd be really good for the club. I can't see any downside for it. So, yeah, I agree. So my idea was all their home games would be played at Mount Smart and all their away games would just be played at elsewhere in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. So Something they wouldn't like have that. to. They wouldn't have to leave the country for the year. Yep, one hundred percent. And that way, you'd actually have a chance of playing more games around New Zealand as well. Because if every every one of their away games was played at a different venue other than Mount Smart, mm. that's twelve games being played elsewhere in New Zealand. That's a yeah. great way to advertise the game over there. Yeah, it really is. So I think that's something they should definitely be looking at. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you agree with that. I'm an agreeable person. Yeah, I've found that. Apart yeah. from when Josh Reynolds wants to kick a ball. He can kick whatever the fuck he wants, god damn it. <laughs> um, did we cover everything that person complained about? I think so, yeah. yeah. yeah they, need, they, they need to stop being so negative. Our, our, our listeners can be negative. if they, As long as they listen, they <laughs> no, can no. hate listen to us. I'm sure there's people that hate listen to I us. I just figured, though. given that they were telling us to cheer up, <laughs> we don't wish it up with it. Tell them to stop being negative. You know what um, I like about having so many followers on Twitter? Yeah. That I know it pisses some people off. Oh, of course. Fucking, I know that there's some people who are like, who's that fucking dickhead got so many followers? Because I'm not you. You boring <laughs> piece of shit. Yeah, we had a, uh, <laughs> we had a comment on the Facebook page. Yeah. From um, a guy on Twitter known as Lambretta. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And he said, I'm going to have to give this podcast a five-star rating, even though I haven't listened to it yet. So confident am I that it will be as great as the first 60 episodes have been. If in-depth talk of the Super League, a love of all things English, and a hatred of stats are your thing, this is definitely the podcast for you. They even occasionally mention Rugby League. Cheers, guys. Keep up the great work. Fantastic. I love it. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. You know what? If you're listening, we just had our 200th episode. Do us a favor. Whatever you're listening through, right? Just click on the app and just give us a five-star rating. You don't even have to do a review because those five-star ratings actually, they go into their algorithms and stuff. And they're actually kind of important to get a podcast like visibility on all the lists and stuff. So if you give us a five-star rating, that would be absolutely huge. Now, speaking of, we've actually got another comment here I've just noticed. Oh, really? What on? Uh, uh, Apple Podcasts. Okay. What's this from Tigers in Decline. Oh, man. (laughs) Five stars. Great show, guys. Hi, guys. I enjoy your show. It's different from other podcasts as you discuss every aspect of rugby league, such as NRL, Super League, and Internationals. I also like the way you guys just put on a podcast whenever you want rather than the same time every week. Keep up the good work, guys. Cheers, Zach. Oh, nice. Thank you, Zach. That's a really nice one, hey? Absolutely. Zach's a legend. Yeah, Zach is a legend. Thank you so much for that, Zach. It's I, I like with our podcast, and we talked about it when we first wanted to start one, what the, the things we didn't want. We didn't want to pretend we were a radio show, which some of them do, and we didn't want to – like we, we did. We just wanted to talk about footy, and I think we, we're doing that. You know, we are – there's some days where we – Man, how many how many episodes could we have recorded last year for recorded every single one of our three hour long talks about rugby league? Yeah, it would double. Yeah, easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> to the point where we've actually in the just in the last few months we've decided that we will try and press the record button as early in our conversation as possible, so as not to waste an episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, last night, like we, because last night, uh. I jumped on and I was chatting with Andrew um, and we we're only going to chat really quickly and the Formula One was on and so Andrew's like, do you want me to put it on? I was like, yeah. So we watched it over Skype, allegedly, because that's illegal. And um, <laughs> we sta- we were watching that and then we started, What? oh, I know, you showed me the, uh, the uh, what would you call it? You showed me the matrix that you use. Yeah, the matrix. Yeah, you showed me the source code. Yeah. It was amazing. I managed to make um, stats and data exciting to someone who doesn't give a shit about it. <laughs> shit about stats and data? Come on now. <laughs> it, was, it was interesting though because like Andrew's showing me like one of the databases he has and he's like, I can do this and this and this. And I was like, oh, tell me about like how many times has this happened? And I was coming up with these obscure ones and Andrew's actually shown me exactly how he gets to the results. And it was amazing. We must have done that for a good hour and a half, eh? Yeah. The the Formula One that we were allegedly, allegedly watching um, got turned off. So yeah. I could show you this uh, Matrix thing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got stuck into it. It was, it was so cool. And, like, that's a cool thing about the podcast is we talk about stuff on here that we would be talking about if we weren't recording. Yeah, yeah. it's all right. And having the same sort of arguments occasionally. Not that they happen often. Well, I honestly, I think that the Josh Reynolds kick is probably the furthest we have deviated from our opinions, hey? Pretty much. Like, can you think of another one? No. 
there was one where we kind of disagreed a bit, but I think it was in the method that we were thinking about it, and it kind of ended up in the same place, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, that would have been a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Because if it wasn't in the last week, I've forgotten. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like a fucking goldfish. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. I've, I've got an announcement about about the announcement about the podcast. Yeah, it'd be it's, so um, funny if you quit right now. Fuck, that would be hilarious. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's about um, it's it's about a ranking we've got overseas. Yeah, because this week we are the seventh most listened to podcast on rugby in Japan. Oh, nice. And I just had a look at the list, and that means looking at the other ones above us. We are the number one rugby league podcast in Japan. Oh, nice. Can I just say to everyone, Hajime Mashte, Bokawa, Lake Freak, those are your school. That wasn't at all casually. Um, <laughs> no. that wasn't, I'm speaking Japanese. I learned Japanese in high school. Did you now? Yeah, that's actual Japanese. I'm sure it is. It, no, it is. I'm serious. No, I said I'm sure it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay, so if we've got listeners in Japan, right? Uh-huh. And you're listening. What did I just say? You can email us at podcast at com and email in and tell me how good or bad my Japanese was because I haven't, I haven't done it for a while. I haven't been in high school for like three years now. So you let me know how good or bad it was and tell me what I said. And if you don't speak Japanese, send us in an email and... Tell me if you think Frank you were speaking Japanese. <laughs> I was. I swear to God. I swear to God. No, no, no. That's not how things work these days. It goes on public polls. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's not on fact. It's public opinion. Yeah, public opinion. That's how things yeah. have worked out these days. Can you? Can you? You can translate still, can't you? That's not called uh, cultural appropriation, mis- misappropriation, is it? I don't think so. No. I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. That was not quite clear on my behalf, I must admit. <laughs> Damn it, now I'm scared. <laughs> I could lose all of this. There we go. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's all pretty good. I can't think there's anything else to, to talk, talk about. No, um, you know, we uh, we got a couple of cool episodes coming up. We're going to do our test with Sandy. It's coming up. We've got a really cool idea for that. We just got to have a a day free where um, we're both on at the same time because that'll be a, a fun episode. And uh, yeah, look forward to the footy on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I am looking forward. To that. I'll, I'll go back to work this week. Back into the the soup, hey? Back into the soup. Back into the the back out in public with the Rona and the rest of Victoria. Yeah, we've got it. It's starting to spread around Western Sydney now. Yeah, yeah, you're stuffed. Yeah. I'm thinking that I uh, I might end up being one of those people that walks around with a mask. I was thinking what I would do, right, is get like, you know, the uh, the ones that are made of cloth, the black mm-hmm. ones, just yeah. so that I can live out my uh, fancy of like looking like a ninja. That would be cool. But underneath it, I'd have one of the medical masks on. There's an idea. See, down yeah. here, we've been told that you can put anything around your face and it will be sufficient. You can have anything on your face. Yeah, so it can be a scarf. Oh, it man. Can be a, it can be a handkerchief. 
I can think of a bunch of things I would love on my face. <laughs> Feel free to start your list now. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I can think of things I would love wrapped around my face. And if you're listening, hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so on Thursday, we're going to start this whole facial covering thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to I'm, do it at work? Yeah. Wow. Which is which is not real practical with the line of work I've got because it keeps getting in the way and you, you'd rather just not have it on you then. Yeah. You know, no one in my workplace has, has the Rona. That's it's been, good. Been deep cleaned about thirty-seven times in ten days. <laughs> I guess I'll go there, and the place will just be sparkling from bleach. Hopefully, everyone will just their eyes will be stinging. Yeah, everything's going to be, it's either going to be bleach or ammonia, or might be both. Everyone will come home and will have just intense headaches from all the poison they're inhaling. Yeah, but at least you won't have a cough. Won't have a cough. No. Nah. Well, you'll have the cough from you know the burning of your throat from it all, but not a rona cough. Nah, just. Got to make sure it don't touch any handrails because they've probably been washed with hydrochloric acid. Yeah, and just, like, try and hold your breath on the way home. Yeah, and for the full eight-hour shift. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, I'll be fine. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piece of cake. Easy. So, uh, yeah, my, my comfy period in lockdown is over. I don't know what everyone was complaining about. It's been brilliant. It is pretty good, eh? Like... Great life. Although once you've been stuck inside for enough time, you do start feeling it. I've seen a lot of people on my um, Twitter feed talking about how they're feeling down and stuff about it all, and they're, they're finding it difficult to get through it. And uh, we did an episode. We did a great episode with Annie Clark uh, about a month ago, I think it was, where she talked about uh, coping mechanisms to get through it. So if if you're not feeling great, have a listen to that one and like just try and get outside, even if it's for ten minutes a day in your backyard or whatever. And uh, yeah, you got to look at. I think during this time, if you're stuck inside, you really have to make an effort to look after yourself because um, it's a weird time in history. Hey, it's like it's very strange. Well, yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of us, especially you know in this day and age, there's two things that we probably thought to ourselves wouldn't never happened to us and that'd be a world war and the other one would be a pandemic yeah yeah so here we are um but yeah if anyone's bored i mean i've got a ton of work you can do you're not you don't get paid for it but uh, you know it'll help me out (laughs) that's the best type of work to offer people exactly (laughs) i'm doing you a favor yeah it's like there's mm, no i'm not gonna say it i'm not gonna say it (laughs) Fuck, it's like them fucking websites that say you want to be a journalist send me in all the fucking free articles it's not how it works man start your own websites people that's the way to do it make exactly. your own name on your own shit you can do it trust yeah. me that's exactly right or all those journals that say got a story email me yeah it's like how about fuck off how about you do your job instead of us doing it for you yeah exactly there we go we got a bit of, we managed to get finally a bit of um, mainstream media rage in there. I'm glad that email from that bloke who was whinging about the stuff we whinge about didn't didn't go and complain about all of us, uh, complain about the media. Bagging the media, I bet he loves that part though. 
must do. So at least we left him something really good at the end of this episode. Yeah. I, th- I think it was constructive criticism. I, it is interesting when I, I would never want to be one of those people that just say shit just for the sake of saying it and just say it over and over again. You know, I would never do that. I, like, I can back up all my opinions. It's not yeah, like I, I say stuff just for shits and giggles. I'm, I'm always much more res- you know, responsive to people who give constructive criticism without carrying on like a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, name calling all sort of shit. Yeah. So um, I welcome the email. Mm-hmm. It's all good. Yeah. Done well. Alrighty, people. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, get in touch on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. He's at League Freak. I'm at Andrew RLP. We're also on Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. And you can also contact us via our website, Freaky. Yeah, it's FergoandTheFreak.com. You can go to the uh, contact section. You can send us an email straight through there. It just comes straight through onto the website. Uh, you can check out all of the uh, episodes we've had a guest on. You can check out all the episodes where we've done a history episode. Uh, it's really good. It's a really good website, actually. I did well. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, you deserve praise for that because I did shit all on that. No, you, you gave me some ideas. I, I provided my surname which is part of the title of the podcast. <laughs> and I didn't even do that. That was just handed me when I was born. That was it. So I actually haven't done anything. That's a good point. I should thank your parents, really. Yeah, yeah. They deserve plenty of thanks. Yeah. Legends. Um, so, yeah, drop us an email. We'll read them out. Um, yep. Give us your Pod- five-star reviews. Podcast at leaguefreak.com. Send them emails. We love them. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, we might as well stop the gibbering and we'll let you all go. Yeah, go away.